to um, that it's the pshat, it's clothing, but we'll see what, what it could mean in addition to the garments, the fabrics that she chooses. She clothes herself in a hose. She clothes herself in strength. So a big part of our lives is the strength that we cultivate and call upon to make our life the way that we want it to be. So even if you look in, um, in Hallel, in, from Tehillim, when we say, um, karasika, we describe a person struggling with forces that seem against them and they're struggling and they're struggling and you see they push me down and I get back up and just read Minhametar when you have a moment open up your sitter to Hallel and see Minhametar the struggle and then you see the person saying the person says I'm going to gather get my own O's and then then I have a complete salvation Hashem always works in tandem with us. And sometimes we do feel like we have nothing of our own strength. It could happen. And we can just say, Hashem, I am on the ground. I can't even pull myself up. I have nothing left at this moment. Please help me to get up to be able to ask you even. Sometimes a person could be in such a position. You see, though, even in such a request is the recognition that I need to take responsibility over my life. We know only if yagata umatsasa, because there has to be a yagia of one's own. There has to be an effort and an input of one's own. We are not helpless creatures who are tossed about in the wind. That is not how Hashem works the world. I think we may have learned a little bit of this last year. I'm not sure. But we are active participants in our own well-being, right? We've talked about this. We are active. We're responsible for our own well-being. And we need our own O's. O's is like one's own strength, okay? So sometimes it's true. A person has no strength, and they need to say to Hashem, I have no strength. But a person needs to know that strength, salvation starts when a person puts in their own part into their own salvation, does this sound contrary to what you've learned other times? Does this sound contradictory? Or is this aligned with what you've learned? That we need to do our own input into our our own solution. Yeah. Like if somebody goes to a therapist, they like really, 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 really want to change it, they become more fit. Yeah. How does it go? How many therapists does it take to help someone um, one, but they, oh, I forgot it. I'll change a light bulb. Oh, that's what I I just butchered that joke. <laughs> right, right. Light bulb needs to want to change. Exactly. You can get, their help could be raining down on you like a flood. But if you're not open to it, it's not going to be received. I mean, we could go on and on about this. You know, a person has to believe in their own ability to contribute. And they need to make the effort. And they need to, to, um, to feel strong. If you feel weak, you're not going to be able to do anything. So, I mean, you could call out to Hashem and say, I feel weak, but you're not going to be able to take steps yet. Okay, so um, so she clothes herself in O's. O's is that word that means like, like strength from within. And also it symbolizes Torah. To- that the One of the explanations is she clothes herself in Torah and Hadar glory is mitzvos. So while in layer one, we said her clothing is strong and pretty because she respects herself. And like we said in Pasuk Hafez, her clothes are important. And here we're extending it and saying she clothes herself, like she wraps herself up in strength. She says, I have all of the strength I need to live my life. Whatever Hashem is giving me, concurrently, he's giving me the strength. I might not feel it right now to do this. And also, in, by extension, we said she clothes herself in Torah and mitzvot. 
So while maybe a woman does not have the mitzvah of the hagisa bo yom valayla, a woman is absolutely expected to involve herself in whatever Torah learning she requires to become a great person, to express herself in the world, to use her creativity, to use her intelligence. A woman is absolutely expected to learn those parts of Torah that will make her who she's supposed to become. And so... Um, so she clothes herself in Torah and mitzvot, Oz and Hadar. So if I would put onto a test, like give one more meaning for Oz and Hadar, it would be Torah and mitzvot. Earlier it was just strong and pretty clothing. So, okay. So, um, she clothes herself in, in, um, Torah and mitzvot so that, she can be joyous until the last day. You see, aging is a frightening process because a person is losing their vitality right? Aging is, is, could be a painful and unpleasant process because where a person was once strong and full of vibrance and strength, it, they're, they're no longer as strong. It's going down where their skin was once glowing and clear. Now it's wrinkling, right? Where their teeth were once, you know, white. Now they're becoming gray or yellow where, where, um, they would stand up straight. Now they're, you know, hanging over, right? So aging is not such a welcome process. At the same time, the Torah views a zakain as what? Zeshekana chachma, right? That's something, oops, zakain, kana, what am I doing? That a person who as is a zakain is older is also a person who is wise. And I heard the most beautiful thing someone shared with me. It was actually Mrs. Siderson. She told me that she heard, it's a quote from somebody else that uh, a, a, a grandfather said to his grandson, do you see these gray or white hairs on my beard? This means that you should ask me questions. And that's such a beautiful perspective on aging. You don't become wiser and more experienced without time passing. And when time passes, yeah, maybe a, a person's height becomes, you know, diminished. And maybe their physical strength goes down. And maybe they'll have gray hairs. And maybe their skin will wrinkle. And maybe they can't run as fast. But it's the price that a person pays for becoming more wise. So there are people who just are horrified by aging. They hate it. It scares them. They identify with certain things and those things are going away. And that's very frightening. The world today definitely has this concept of, you know, fighting your aging signs. And there's nothing wrong with that. A person should preserve themselves if they want to and make themselves look as youthful and feel as vibrant as possible. At the same time, one needs to realize that it's not only a loss, it's also a gain. So, she's happy till her last day. There are people who age so gracefully. They're so okay with their looking older and walking slower because they know that they got smarter. They're also taking care of themselves. So they're not just decaying, but they know that they, they're, they're getting smarter. They have more wisdom. I mean, so it's not easy to see that at your age, you're more vibrant than you were when you were five. So there's no loss. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, I wish I was seven years old now. I don't think most girls of 17 feel like they wish they were seven. But when you're 37, you might say, oh, I wish I was 17. I hope you don't. Because most people can recognize that you wouldn't turn for advice on a life's thorny, thorny issues. To mo You are amazing 18, 17, 16-year-olds. You are. But if someone had a really big challenge, some adult had a big challenge, would they set up a consultation with you? Maybe. I'm not saying it in disrespect to you. But who would they be more likely? Of what age? 
someone over 40, somebody who has had some experiences, right? Just, yeah, that's how it is. So yeah, so maybe skin and stature and energy goes down or eyesight, you know, goes down. But other things go up and it goes together. So she's like happy. She's laughing. She's joyous till the last day because she realizes, yeah, every stage has its pluses. And I don't know if we want to call them minuses, but adjustments, you know? So she, 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 she's, she's kind of strong in every stage. So as in Hafez, we also said that she, even her clothes, her literal clothing are used to remind herself of what she wants to be inside. So while we, we, we kind of had a surprising explanation last time where we said that, you know, we know that life is not only about externals, the car, the house, the vacations, the clothing. Life is surely not only about those things. At the same time, we saw that the Gemara has something interesting to say about clothing, that a person should dress as well as they can. Even if they're eating less than they can afford and drinking less than they can afford, they should dress as well as they can because what we said was clothing has the purpose has dual, a dual purpose. And the second purpose we said was to make known what should be known. Remember, we said it should cover what should be covered and make known what should be known, that this is a woman, not a man, that this is a person of this level of dignity, that this person respects herself. And one of the advice that I've heard when people are saying to increase, little things people can do to increase their self-esteem, walk with a tall posture, speak in a, comf a comfortable, confident voice, and dress with respect for yourself. Dress nicely. If you show up in rags, you're going to be, you know, you're going to feel that way. If you, you know, did you ever have to run into a grocery store and you weren't really expecting to and so you were not really dressed? You're like, don't look at me, right? You kind of had this feeling like, don't look. Now, not like when you walk in normally, you're saying, look at me, but you're saying, hello, like in a normal way. But if you just have to dash in somewhere, it's like, don't look, don't look, I'm not really here. Well, if a person's always like that, don't look, don't look, I'm not really here, you can tell. Think about people you know that what comes out of them is, don't look, I'm not really here, right? There's people who hide, even if they're here, they have a feeling of, I'm not worth anything, don't look at me. And one thing that we can do to increase, is an external thing, to increase our self-esteem self and our sense of our true self-worth are those things that we said. Walk with a tall posture, speak in a voice that means what you say, not a whispery voice, not a baby voice, not a shrieky voice, in a voice that means what you say, and even dress in a way that says, I'm showing up, I'm here. And that really influences your inner state. Of course, it takes more than that. Someone who only leans on that, we said last class, that's also a, a problem. That's like a beautiful building without a foundation. When someone's all head to toe perfection, but inside they don't believe they have worth, you know what that looks like. So we want to have both, but the, the outside can influence the, extra, the inside. When a person dresses with, uh, you know, care, they are showing, hello, I'm here. Nice to meet you. Um, and um, <clears throat> to be able to respect someone who doesn't dress that way is also important. To be able to do one and not expect it on the, uh, on the other is also important. Yeah, Ted. But I think, I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I think I've been told that you dress sneers because you don't want all the, all the people look, to look at you. I know. So that's what I'm saying. Isn't it surprising what I'm saying? That you are dressing with dignity, mechubar. And that's not all the people should look at me. That's when I turn up, I'm turning up. It sounds so like such a fine line, but think about it. You can feel the difference. One is notice me. I want you to look at me on my outside. And the other one is, hello, I am here. You see, it's different. It's not the same. And you can tell 
you can't always tell someone's intentions, but you can usually tell if someone's dressing for the like, I have nothing to offer to the world except for my appearance. So everyone, please notice me. I am superior to others in my appearance. And the other one is, hello, I am here. It's different. Okay. In the Gemara, um, uh, Shabbos, 113a or Aleph, Shabbos, 113 uh, a I don't know how people say it, a or Aleph, the first side of the daf. It says um, that Rabbi Yochanan called his clothing mechubadai, my honor bringers. Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara referred to his clothing as mechubadai. Yeah, it's important. It's important. Our clothes, um, again, they help us feel mechubadik, mechubad. So that could help us gauge, like, what's the right clothing for us? Is it something that's, like, mechubad, or is it something that's flashy and too noticeable? And different people have different tastes. We don't have to all be the same, you know? We don't have to all have the same taste. There's not one right way of dressing. And um, we can, you know, there's a... The Torah leaves it up to us sometimes. You know, like, how? what do you think mechubad means? What do you think um, that, um, you know, respectable but not, you know, not respectable but not asking for attention? What does that look like? So it's interesting, you know. I, I think a lot of times we focus on that everything's inside, and that's true. But like we were talking about with the posture. When someone walks around with a hanging head, you know, a shame posture that does announce to the world, could be there's something wrong with their spine, or it could be that internally they really feel, I should not stand up, I'm not really somebody that you should respect. And it's, you know, it, they both influence each other. The way you think influences your, your physique, and your physique influences the way you think. I've had many times where I've advised my children, stand up tall, pretend like there's a string pulling your head to the ceiling, and then go up and ask your question and watch what happens. I, I've had times where I wasn't sure, like on an airplane or in a place, if they were going to stop me from like using the restroom. Let's say it was a time where there's a sign, you know, and but it wasn't like illegal, but I thought they were going to bother me. All I did was that. I pulled my head up to the ceiling with a string. I pulled my shoulders back and I walked. Nobody ever stopped me. One of my kids told me, he tried it. He went into a, a place and he asked a question and they're like, well, we don't know, whatever. He's like, that didn't go very well. So let me think about my mother's advice. So he did that. He pretended like there was a string pulling his head to the, to the sky and his shoulders back. And he came up and he asked questions. They're like, oh yeah, sure. When would you like to do it? I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. Hashem gave us bodies. Our neshamas are in bodies for a reason. And one thing is that our body influences our, our, our neshamas experience. Try it. You'll see. It's really amazing. So that's about kavod, external kavod. And when you feel the kavodik, you act that way. You would, there's things that we do differently when we feel our own kavod. Okay. Chavvav. Um, if you, we noticed, we mentioned this, I think, in layer one. She opens her mouth with wisdom. This is the first mention of her talking in the entire Eishas Chayel. Now, it doesn't mean she's quiet or shy. Some, some Aisha Skiles are quiet and shy. Some Aisha Skiles are very vociferous and bubbly, and it doesn't matter. But the point is that when she opens her mouth, it's with wisdom. And one of the things that we learn from the Aisha Skyle is actions speak louder than words. And if you think about, I learned this from my teacher, Mrs. Trink. She said, if you think about, uh, I'll ask you this question. Think about the person 
that as of now has been the biggest influence for good in your personal life. The person that when you think about how you do the good things that you do, your best parts of yourself, the parts of yourself that you are proud of, which person comes to mind, you don't have to tell me, as the biggest influence on that? Like, who is the most influential person that helps you be your best self? And when you've thought of that person, is it what she or he says, or is it what she or she, she does or is like that influences you mostly? It could be a combination. Talking is important, but yeah. It's not as many times as you've been doing it. Yeah, it's actions speak louder than words. Mrs. Trinitsky taught me this little line. Your actions are screaming so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Because actions speak louder than words. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the person could make all kinds of speeches. I mean, politicians, they say everything. What did I tell you? I, I said one time, you know, my husband said, I think politicians should not be allowed to speak. We should only choose them based on their actions. You could say anything. Oh, yes, I love your ethnic group. Oh, I hate that ethnic group. I mean, they could say anything. What, what's talk? Talk is cheap. Hopefully not for most of us. But what we say doesn't influence others as much as the way we live. And our, the atmosphere around us, the, the, what we give off, the feeling that people have when they're around us. So that's why when she opens her mouth, it's the chokhmah. And it's toward the end of Aisha's Kyle, showing that it's her whole life. It's not just the things she says. Speeches are easy to make for many of us. Yes, Dina. Um, just I read one time about like someone who did this, how they like how they would just do their actions like when they saw like something was someone was doing something wrong, they would then improve it in themselves. And as like, you know, I'll chat with like one thing, so like one thing for my siblings, someone one of my siblings that was involved in something. So I was like, you know do you really do that so well? So then I tried to do it so well and I noticed that the other day they did they did it. Interesting. They, they, yeah, I did it. Wow. Amazing. You know, I, I, I spoke to another school on Sunday. Some of you were there and I spoke to them about friendship and I made like 39 like annoyance cards, 39 things that people do that are annoying. And I gave them all. And if, if that girl didn't find that thing annoying, I told her she could just, you know, put it down um, and then take another one. But a lot of them were opposites of each other because I wanted to just show like basically none of us are is perfect. That's one thing I wanted to show, like, you know, like doesn't respond to your texts or calls. And the other one was gets annoyed when you don't respond to her texts or calls, you know, um, talks too much about herself um, is not a good listener when you talk about yourself, like two sides of the same coin, because we all kind of do everything, but it's. We know the reason we're doing it, and we expect the other person to not do it because we don't know her reason. So, um, you know, just other people's actions, it's very easy to be judgmental and annoyed with other people's actions. And it's good to kind of take a mirror once in a while. Do I not do that myself? Maybe we all do that because we're all human, you know? And then, yeah, instead of talking about it, perhaps just making a, an improvement in ourselves could actually have an influence. So we have three more to about. I just want to talk to you about the schedule for a minute. So do you want the test on... Friday, or do you want to do it next week? Next week would be on Wednesday. I guess so. I mean, I'm flexible because I, whatever. Can we just, well, on Wednesday? No. Okay, fine. So let's not do Friday. So let's schedule for Wednesday. If that doesn't work for you. Oh, oh, there's a Sunday, but you don't. Do you take tests on Sunday? No. <laughs> okay. I'm letting you make the rules around here. Okay, so it's going to be next Wednesday, it sounds like. Okay, so then, you know what? Good. I'd love to have some time to review anyway. So we'll finish, and the next class, we can do some reviewing, because we didn't really go back at all. So we'll do some reviewing, 
And then, yeah, the test. So what? So oh, Friday will be review. And then Sunday we have this class. So I'm, I'm not going to come in if not. if No, because we're not having the test, and I'm not going to do two periods of review. So it'll be whatever it was supposed to be, I guess. Okay, so, okay, so, okay, so, so let's finish our, our Indian here. So, Pasuk um, Chavzayin, um, she watches the ways of her household. She realizes that she has a job to give her children the best chance that she can for life. And at the same time, she is not in charge of the final outcome. She realizes that there's so much that she needs to put into her children in the first 20 years. There's so much that she can contribute, and there's plenty that's not up to her. And let's name the things that make um, a person be uh, their own, their own um, I don't know, free agent. A person has Bechira. A person has things that will happen to them in their life that, so when I say a free agent, I mean, they're not like a model, a clay model of their, you know, like a, they're not a clone of their parents. Okay. A person has Bechira. That's big. A person has their own experiences. They're not going to have the same experiences as their parents, even if they, in the unlikely chance that they're growing up in the same town as their parents, but it's not the same time. It's 30 years later or 20 or 50 years later. They're not the same. They're not having the same experience. They have different genes. They have different experiences, like different teachers, classmates, siblings. They have different a different nervous system, which makes them experience experiences differently. So a person is not a clone of their parents. We're not molding our children. And teachers are not molding their students. I actually don't like that term. We're not molding. We're offering information. We're offering a perspective and students need to take into themselves what they are able to take into themselves. And you see that people come out differently from one family, from one school. My goodness. I mean, people come out differently because people are different than each other. So she sees her household and she realizes, no time for laziness. I've got to be productive. And at the same time, she realizes, I am not going to make my children be what I want them to be. I remember again, Mrs. Trank saying to me, it's not all about you and your, what, you know, the words you allow in your house and the conversations that you, that you talk about. Your kids are going to be riding a school bus. Your kids are going to be having teachers. Your kids are going to be going to camp and not everything that they pick up is something you're going to love. And even if you were to shelter them, you know, to an unhealthy degree, they still are going to come out differently than you want because they are their own person. And don't we want our children to be their own person? You know, people call when a child is two, they, it's called the terrible twos, right? Why is it terrible? Because it's not convenient for the parents. Also, the kid is sometimes unhappy. But what's happening at age two? That happens again in adolescence. Finding independence. And that's why a, a two-year-old is not always agreeable. Between two and three, no, I do it, I do it, myself, myself, right, right? The two-year-old has, I, no, me. And you have to relock the door and they have to unlock it, right? It's healthy, it's annoying, it slows you down, but it's healthy. Why is it so healthy? They're finding that I'm not my mother. They're finding that my mother isn't me. I'm a separate person and I 
have to and will do things for myself. So at, at two years old, it's all by myself. And in adolescence, it's, I hate you. Don't ever talk to me again. Oh, actually, could you drive me to the mall? <laughs> so, you know, that's how it is. We become independent people and we, it's not a pleasant process. But it's a necessary process, becoming independent and separate from our parents and individuating and realizing we are not our parents. Kibbutz Va'im does not mean being my mother. What does Kibbutz Va'im mean? Honoring. How do you honor? By being yourself and respecting her and respecting her wishes as much as possible and considering her wishes. doesn't mean being her or him. That's an important distinction to make in Kibbutz Va'im. So a parent looks at the future, looks toward the future and realizing my child, I need to give so much input. I need to put so much effort into my children. It's not enough for me to just like, you know, dress the child in the morning or, you know, lay out their clothes, you know, send them off to school, you know, take them home at night, you know, put them in pajamas and good night. That's not being a parent. That's being like a factory worker, moving a child along a, a, a belt, you know, a conveyor belt. It means putting kohos nefesh into a child. It means pouring your heart and soul and philos and being connected and being available, sitting around together. That's part of being a mother is just sitting around with your kid with no productivity whatsoever. That's part of being a mother. I remember someone telling me like how she works for schedule and she comes home and she, and she, everything's perfect. And I thought, but what if like one of your kid is like, um, like sad or what if one of your kids like has an ingrown toenail or like, there's no room for anything except for like in, out, up, down. That's not parenting. It doesn't work. It has, it had a sorry effect. All I can say is that no judging people have that people have different women have different abilities, different financial situations, different nervous systems, different backgrounds, but it's necessary for a parent to be available to a child for time. That's not just getting supper into their throat and getting them to brush their teeth. There's parenting means being present without any other agenda besides presence. Okay. So, um, yeah, she realizes I've got a lot to do. My children need me a lot. And Aisha's child is not only a mother, she's a wife, she's a woman, she's a community member. The presence of the person is so important. And she realizes like, I'm contributing to my family. I'm contributing to my society in these important ways. And I cannot control the outcome of how these people are going to come out. I'm not going to make my children be who I want them to be. I'm not going to make my students be who I want them to be. How should I know what they should be? They're unique, unique con, 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 con creations of Hashem's. How should I know what I want them to be? I can't know that. All I can know is I can offer information. I can offer an example. I can try to live my best life, and people will decide what they can take in from that. Just two more psukim. Um, Rather than finishing, because I, um, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll do one more. We'll see if we finish the last one. Chavchas. So at the end of at the end of the whole discussion of this Eishes Chayil, we say Kamu Vaneha, our children rise up via Ashruha, and they say Ashrei. Ashrei means forward striding, right? It doesn't just mean lucky. Did I teach you that in layer one? Yeah. Yashar. Rav Hirsch. Every time you have Ashrei, he always says forward striding from Yashar. Like on a good path, forward striding. That's what he says for, for Ashrei. So by Yashruha, they say Ashrei about her. They say she's forward striding. They say she's, she has a direction. That's what her children do. Ba'ala, her husband gets up, Vayahalila, and he gives her Halel. So, so we want to explain the difference between um, Halel and 
um, ashray. But before we do that, I just want to say, Kamu, her children get up. They are their own person. They are each their own people. They're, each of them is his own or her own person. They are their own person. They Kamu, they get up. She gives them this ability to be themselves and not to try to just be a clone of their mother or anything else. Nobody is a clone of anyone else. Every Nisham is unique. So Kamu, they get up her children by, by, by Ashruha and they say Ashrei about her. They praise her. Her children praise her. It's not so hard to make a great impression on the outside world. Put on a smile, you know, say a few nice words. Where is the hardest job of making a great impression? In your home. Yeah. Children and spouses know who a person really is. They know the inside. They know the behavior. They know the groggy morning and the, you know, the gr grumpy night. And it's okay to be groggy in the morning. You don't have to be chipper all the time. But what are you like when you're groggy when you just woke up? What do you like before you wash Negolasar? What do you like when you're so tired you can't think anymore? There's different ways of being. So your family knows you for real. And her family knows her for real, and they praise her. They say she's a real person. She's really praiseworthy. Now, Rabbi Rab Vigdor Miller says that Hallel, which means praise, is a wild kind of praise, like the word holilus. Holilus means like ridiculous behavior. Hololos means ridiculous behavior, like almost like hollow, like that. Meaning to say like really, really wild. Which day of the year are the Jewish people supposed to be wild? Purim, we're wild. It was such an overturn and we have such connection to Hashem that we're wild. We act differently. Most of the time a dignified Jew doesn't act wild. They may be happy, but not wild. But there's even a time in the world in the year to be wild. Okay, so lahalel is to praise wildly. Her husband praises her wildly. Rabbi Victor Miller says, with a spouse, now just take this in. Just take this onto your paper. You don't need to judge it. We'll, we'll do it on, on Friday, Mr. Shem. You don't need to. Yeah, I'm coming back. Um, we, you don't need to judge whether the people you know do this or not. Or just, I'm going to share with you next class, Mr. Shem what the basic obligation is with this house. Okay, so have a great um, a great uh, two days. I'll see you Friday, Mr. Shem, to finish and review. And then our test will be the following Wednesday. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah.